Space. The ultimate journey. Space. The McDonald's play place in the sky. Space. The road to adventure. Space. It's easy to get to. Space. A way to go to planets. These are the gripings of two cowpokes from Earth who have traveled all of space and are going to tell you about the tight stuff and the bad stuff. The Big Howl and Possum Podcast. Toot toot. We got a spaceship. Yeah, Mr. Possum and I, uh, we just got back from space. No big deal. Yeah, pretty much went everywhere. We went all over the galaxy. We saw a bunch of the planets out there. Went everywhere, saw it all. Encountered new worlds and new civilizations and uh, saw it all. And we're going to tell you guys all about it. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to find out that Possum had, uh, uh, as far as I know, accidentally built a functioning spacecraft in his barn. I'm not sure what you thought you were building, but uh, somehow you managed to create uh, something... Humanity has not been able to build in its entire time on this planet, so. I was just out there farting around in the barn like I do, and I was, I was building a little hamster cage because my hamster kept on trying to escape his little home. Right. And my hamster said to me, well, Mr. Possum, if you put a little popcorn machine in my cage, I, I won't try to leave. I like it real good here. So I said, all right, I'll build you a little popcorn machine. And then next thing I knew, I got to farting around and tinkering, and I built a spaceship that works real good. Wow. And galactic history was made that day when uh, Mr. Possum tried to build a popcorn machine in his hamster cage and accidentally invented a warp drive that made it capable for us to span the whole galaxy with our travels. Yep. I mean, I got to give a lot of credit to the hamster because he kept on going, well, this isn't quite right. Why don't you use this little piece here? Well, I don't know. Maybe the popcorn could have butter built in instead of putting it on after. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, he just kept on adding stuff. And then the next thing I knew, I had a spaceship, so. Yeah. Now, that is one thing that I didn't love about your uh, spacecraft, Mr. Possum, is that it, uh, the longer you use it, it does fill up with popcorn. Yeah, and hamster droppings. (laughs) It's not ideal. But neither is space. All right, when we come back, we're going to tell you about some of the places we visited across the galaxy. But first, here's a tight song I like. Your buddies, Big Hell and Possum, have been on a trip, and it's the best part when your buddies tell you about the trip. So strap yourself into the radio chairs. We're going to tell you about space travel. Big Hell, tell me about the first place you visited up there. Well, Mr. Possum, one of my favorite planets that I visited on my travels is a little moon in the Zeta Quadrant called Seductus Four. Ooh. It's a great little getaway for lovers and for those looking for lovers. Seductus 4 is a barren but wet planet with little hot spring pools everywhere. The whole planet 
is basically just a bunch of hot tubs for you to party in with your boo or beau. Oh, yeah. And if you're worried that the barren part might leave a little to be desired romantically, it's a stark landscape, have no fear. The locals there make their living walking around selling flowers to all the canoodling visitors and tourists. Oh, what a relief. And you do have to buy some flowers or they will not go away. They will stand there and stare at you in the, in the hot tub until you do reach out of the hot tub into your jean pocket to find some change to give them for some flowers. Okay. But it's a pretty fun place. The thermal heat is top-notch, practically boiling. If you, like me, like your hot tubs up at a devilish degree Celsius... This is the place for you. And they do use Celsius on uh, Seductus 4. Well, sure. It's a very cool place. It's beautiful. You're looking out over the stars while you're macking on some alien beauty who has a shell like a prawn. Honestly, it's like being in a low country boil, really, which is maybe the most romantic thing I can imagine. Except this place doesn't smell like Old Bay. And that's the one thing I would change about Seductus 4 is the smell. Really? Between the stagnant pools and the thermal heat, the visiting bodies, the whole place just smells like a gym locker room. And you can't just set an air freshener down on a moon and call it a day. You have to really do some total recall-style atmospheric change if you want to fix a problem like this moon has. So I would say Seductus 4, almost perfect, definitely worth a visit, except for the smell. Mm. I gotta know, what did the locals look like? You're talking about these little aliens that wanted money from your jeans. Were they cute? Were they scary? They're like little bird guys. You know? Oh. They got feathers. They got beaks. They're basically, they're bird guys. Yeah, they're bird guys. Okay. Yeah. Well, dang. I I could see how that would be hard not to give them some money because they're sitting there trying to sell you their wares. And every time you don't get into your jeans pocket and give them some money, they go cheap, 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 you know, because they're bird guys. <laughs> toot, toot, Mr. Possum. Toot, toot, toot. What's the first place you'd like to talk about? Well, you know, I'm kind of a bad news first kind of a feller. I got to get this out of the way. I was in my ship, and I was traveling around. I see all these boring names for planets, you know, just like Apis Prime and, uh, you know, Sector 7 and all this kind of stuff. But then what popped up on my little monitor, it said, Freddy Spaghetti. And I was like, oh, prepare for landing. I'm going to Freddy Spaghetti. That sounds tight. And... There it is. It's a big old spaghetti planet. I mean, the whole thing just looks red but welcoming. Oh, wow. You know, it's got like a ring around it, but it's just one long noodle. I was like, get my ship down there on that planet. I need it. Wow. A spaghetti planet. Spaghetti planet. And I was like, oh, I hope Freddy Spaghetti's like the the top guy there that I can meet and hang out with and maybe take a bite of or something. So I land the ship. I get on down there, and buddy, nothing was as it seems. Can you believe it? Oh. <laughs> Everything that looked appetizing was there to kill you. There was these noodles. These shiny, wet noodles were just kind of crawling around on their bellies. But they were like snakes. I don't like snakes. Yeah. You can't have them. They don't want to be eaten. They all have a life of their own. But there was like these lakes full of this hot marinara. And I was like... All right, I'm going to pull from this little breadstick bush and dip it. And it was too hot to dip in, Big Hell. <laughs> it was a nightmare. You can't have any of it. <laughs> could you not, Mr. Possum, could you not simply wait for the marinara sauce on your breadstick 
to cool down. I get the snake thing. The snake thing is a problem. The snake noodles, that's a problem. But I'm a little surprised that you're complaining this much about a place that has bushes that grow breadsticks Mm -hmm. and hot lakes of marinara. Yep. You've actually found a way to make that bad. It's too hot. But you can't step away from the lake, maybe blow on the marinara once you've dipped it. Well, you know, I'm on vacation. I'm not going to just sit around waiting, big hell. That's for chumps. Okay. And the breadstick was just a little bit too dry on its own. It had a good garlicky butter flavor, but it really could use a dip. But the dip was too hot. Yeah. Well, that certainly does sound like a a hellscape. The worst. Sounds like something out of Star Trek. You know, a situation that's too good to be true. And then you get down there and... It uh, it's absolute torture. Yeah, you know the marinara is too hot. For sure. The breadsticks are a little too dry. I had to get off before it killed me. People can die from disappointment. You know that, right? <laughs> it's a medical thing. Space travel. Big Howl, tell me more of your space adventures. Now look, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about skiing the slopes of the Slegmonian Mountains on Dermpy 7. Oh, sure. Or watching the aerial mating dance of the Gene Pantian space whales of the Squartus 8 asteroid cluster. <laughs> but I gotta be me, Mr. Possum. I gotta be me. And it does not matter how beautiful the twin sunrise over the rim of that hyrogelian crater is, there's no more satisfying tourist locale for me than the food court. Oh, yeah. I am belly motivated and food forward, and I do not have time to bumble around a hundred different planets looking at the menu at the spaceport and going, ah, this planet's a little too expensive. Let's try the next one. Hopefully they'll have some savory crepes, honey. This is why one of the best places in the galaxy, hands down, is the Galactic Food Court. Oh, yeah. You get all the different mall-type restaurants from all the different planets, all there in one place, and you can try them all. You can get a deep-fried, a spongy, and lizard on a stick, wash it down with some Camarian ale. Oh, yeah. Or grab a quick slice at the Sabaro if you want something simple, and if the Pununian spices have been eaten away at your soft earth tummy lining. Now, the only problem with the food court is there's about 20 different federations vying for control over it right now, so the management changes every couple of hours. Basically, a war zone behind the counter, uh, managers being assassinated left and right. But that's not really a problem for the visitors, for the uh, patrons. They keep making the food no matter what. You know, they, uh, folks got to eat, they say. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's the only concrete, immutable law of the Galactic Food Court, is folks got to eat. Well, like I always say, Big Al... Order in the food court. You know, order food there. Order in the food and also like court. Yeah. Order in the court. Toot toot, Mr. Possum. Toot toot. Two for two, baby. Toot for toot. Mr. Possum, what's the next place you want to tell us about? Well, I got to talk about the foot planet. The the foot planet. Yeah, it's a foot planet. So I, there I am flying around in space. And you see all these planets that are all just like, you know, big spheres. They're big balls. Right. The classic planet shape is the ball, is the orb. Yeah, they're all like that. 
And after a while, you get bored. Oh, good. Here's another ball to explore. You know, no big deal. Well, I was flying around in my nasty little spaceship, and I saw a big old foot. And I said, set course to the foot planet. You know, I got to see what this is. Uh-huh. So you're kind of a foot guy, I guess. I didn't think I was, but darn it if that didn't just call my name. Guess I'm a foot guy. Yeah. Well, Possum's a foot guy. Guess so. Yeah, you know what to get me for Christmas. Foot stuff. I'm not getting you foot stuff for Christmas. What, a sock? Come on, I'm not inventing new stuff for Christmas. Just fill up my stocking. That's foot stuff. Anyway. True. Christmas is a is like a foot guy's holiday. It is. Come to think of it. If you don't like feet, well, skip Christmas. You got foot stuff hanging above a fire. Anyway, I digress. I landed on it expecting a foot. And what I got was a foot, big hell. It's just a big old foot. It yeah. Smells bad. Smells footy. Okay. Uh, not not a big surprise there. Here's what surprised me about it. The seasons are crazy. Because here's a little something about physics you might not understand. Because you're just a simple earthling. Uh-huh. If it's a ball, you pretty much know what to expect. Because it spins a certain way. You got some kind of reliable chart of seasons, but when it's a foot, it's spinning all crazy. So it's, it's raining one second, it's storming, it's hot, it's cold. It's no good. It's no good. And it smells like a foot. Yeah, and that can't be good for a foot also. I mean, you don't want extreme changes of uh, temperature and moisture exactly. on your feet. That, that's going to be very bad for a foot. A lot of fungus on that foot planet, I tell you that. A lot of stuff growing. Well, that's disgusting. And I have to say, I think you kind of set yourself up for a failure on that one. You picked a bad place to go, I think. Well, I had to check it out. You know, I had questions. I had questions like, well, if this is the foot, where's the rest of it? Oh, well, that is a good question. Where is the rest of it? I don't know. I just found the foot. All I know is I landed on a foot, and then I got off as soon as I could. Goodbye, sweet foot planet. I'll never be back. Big Hal, tell me more of your adventures in space. All right, this next one is real good. This next planet I visited, very good. Oh. It's practically heaven, but it's right here in our very own galaxy. That's cool. And it's called Cabo San Epsilon 5. Okay. It's a beach planet. Ooh. A beach planet. Now, I used to make fun of Star Trek and Star Wars for acting like every planet's got to be just, you know, one thing. Like a desert planet or a water planet or a forest moon. But this rock is all beach, baby. Ooh. There's no inland on the whole planet. All beachfront views. For folks like me who are all about the salt life, it's a dream. And I haven't even mentioned the best part, Mr. Possum. Well, tell me the best part. The whole dang ocean is margarita mix. What? You can't see this because you're listening on the radio, but I just pulled my sunglasses down to reveal my eyeballs. The whole ocean is margarita mix. I gotta wonder, so it's like earthling margarita stuff. Do you think that you weren't the first earthling to be there? I'm, I'm wondering how natural it is. Did somebody put it there or did it just grow like that? Oh, it grew like that, Mr. Possum. You gotta think about this. All these planets, all across the galaxy with different chemical makeups and temperatures and atmospheres, 
it's a statistical certainty that one of them is going to produce margarita mix. And I found it. Okay. And it's a good mix, too. It's uh, among the better mixes that I've had. So you just grab your chilled bottle of Cuervo Silver and your duck floaties. You head out into the ocean. And you make a cocktail in your own cupped hand. Oh, you got to bring your own tequila? Well, yeah. You always got to bring your own tequila, Mr. Possum. It's the beach. That stinks. What a terrible deal. Wow, you, you will complain about literally anything. I'm describing possibly the best beach situation of all time. And you're still complaining about it. Oh, yeah. That's my thing. Well, why don't you tell us about your next one? Well, the next planet I went to was quite beautiful. It was a Bob Ross planet. Or as I like to call it, Ross, Ross, Planet Ross, Ross, Bob Ross. That's, that's what I called it, Planet Ross. It's, it's really something to take <laughs> what? in. What? What? It's like Planet Ross. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want me to say it again? Ross, Ross, Planet Ross, Bob Ross. Yeah. I don't understand why I got to explain that. <laughs> okay. I'll roll with it. Yeah, you will. Anyway. All the scenery was gorgeous, Big Al. I mean, it was like a whole thing. It was like a Bob Ross portrait. Oh, okay. That sort of explains the <laughs> the Bob Ross planet thing then. Oh, whatever. You and your little sarcasm. Just let me talk about the planet adventure I went on. My God. Okay. This whole thing. There was lots of mountains and little sheds and stuff, rivers and lakes. And it was exactly the kind of stuff that Bob Ross would paint. Everything was just, everywhere you look was just a beautiful painting. Now, did it just look like Bob Ross's paintings, and that's why you called it the Bob Ross Planet? Or did, was was this some kind of official thing? Didn't have a sign on it or nothing. It was just a planet. But I guarantee it was Bob Ross's work. I can tell. I'm one of those people who can tell you if it's a real Ross or a faux Ross. I'm thinking that you must have gone through some kind of nebula or some kind of space rainstorm or something. And it fogged up or rained up your windshield on your spaceship. And you just got kind of an impressionistic view of this landscape. And that made you think you were in a Bob Ross painting. That's what I'm going to guess. I, I get that. I get why you would say that. Like, I am I am pretty simple. And I could mistake a whole planet for something that's just being fogged up by my, my windshield. But it wasn't that. Yeah. It was exactly the paintings I've seen before. And what really told me it was a, a Bob Ross planet is that every now and again, a big paintbrush would appear, just kind of smack the devil out of the landscape, and there would be earthquakes and fires and rain. Oh, wow. And I knew that brush was the spirit of Bob Ross changing the landscape as he saw fit. So there's like a giant Bob Ross actually painting this planet. Yeah. And it's a nightmare. You're saying? Oh, it's bad. I mean, it's it's pretty to look at, but you don't want to be on the canvas. That canvas gets slapped around. Right. It's it's a it's a rough environment to be in. And plus, you try to spend a summer there building a deck onto your house, chopping down trees, sanding the wood, nailing stuff together. You spend all summer on this deck, and then he kind of shows up, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I see what you did here. It's very modern. You know, it looks like it's well insulated, but that's not the kind of look we're going for. Smash." All right, so another place to avoid Yep. that a possum chose to visit. Hey, I can't help it that I didn't go anywhere cool. Everywhere I landed turned out to be a nightmare. It's a story of my life, and it's no different in space. Now, I suppose someone might say, you know, 
someone might say to a person like you that if every planet you go to stinks, mm-hmm. that it might be you who's bringing the stink. Oh, yeah, I bring the stink, baby. Oh, okay. So you're already aware of that. How could I not? Come on. I bring the stink. It's what my shirt says. Big Al and Possum, brave, strong, and awesome, speaking truths and tooting toots and having tons of laughs. Big Al and Possum, two good boys hooting and hollering, will comfort you when you are blue and calm you when you're mad. Hey, Mr. Possum! Hey, Big Al! I heard you had a party this weekend. Ooh, I sure did. And you didn't invite me? Nope. I thought we were friends, Mr. Possum. Eh, this was a small gathering. I can come to small gatherings, Mr. Possum. Well, this was a special kind of thing. I can come to special things as well. Big Al, this was a... What was it? It was a swingers party. You had a swingers party? And you didn't invite me, Mr. Possum? See, there we go. Everybody thinks they can just jump into the swinging community. Well, I'd have to run it by the wife, of course. Sure, just run it by the wife and then show up willy-nilly to a swingers party. Probably no special etiquette or community guidelines or complex interpersonal dynamics built on trust to preserve the sanctity of everyone's relationships. Okay, okay. The wife wouldn't go for it anyway. How was your swingers party, Mr. Possum? It was lousy. Terrible. Oh, that's a shame. Yes. What happened? Well, I had just set out the root beer and nachos and... Ring dong! Doorbell rings. It was little Joey. By himself. Didn't bring his wife. What? Didn't bring his wife. I said, Lil' Joey, where's your wife? He said, she's sick at home with nausea. Well, that's too bad. So then, rang dong, it's Billy Brad. Ah, oh, Billy Brad. Yeah, he's an old friend of mine from the swinging community. Mm-hmm. Billy Brad walks into my house by himself. Another one? Mm-hmm. I say, Billy Brad, where's your wife? He says, she's sick with nausea. Dang. Then, rang dong, and this time it's my old friend Terry Travis. Let me guess, Mr. Possum. Terry Travis is by himself. You guessed it, Al. Terry Travis's wife is homesick with nausea. All their wives had nausea? Yep. So it was just the guys then? Yeah, just the guys and my wife. You know what? I'm less bummed I wasn't invited to this. So the guys start digging into the nachos and root beer, and I go upstairs, and my wife is getting out of the shower. And I say, honey, it's a shame about your nausea. And she says, Mr. Possum, what on earth are you talking about? And I say, because nausea ain't coming downstairs. Toot toot. Toot toot. Big Al and Possum, brave Brave and strong and awesome. Speaking truths and tooting toots and having tons of laughs. Big Al and Possum, both bound for poppers' coffins. We'll comfort you when you are blue and calm you when you're mad. Ah, the wonders of space travel. Tonight, me and Big Al are telling you about stuff that you haven't seen, because you ain't been to space. What do you want to talk about next, Big Al? Let's talk about Earth 2. Oh, Earth 2. Earth 2. All right. There's a planet out in the Lambda Quadrant that bills itself as Earth 2, and not as like a sequel to Earth in the way that Karate Kid 2 was a sequel to Karate Kid. Mm. No, Earth 2 is more like Earth Mark 2. Oh. Like, we're sitting on the beta version, and they got to upgrade, right? That sounds good. And I will say this. I'll say this for them. They did get some of the stuff better than what we have. They did improve some aspects of Earth, too. 
There's more public transit. Okay. The cities have more tree cover. Yeah. Fewer heat deserts. Okay. The Chex Mix is a little bolder. Oh. And at Walgreens, they don't wait until there's a line all the way back to the stack of White Claws before they open another register. (laughs) But I'd give up all that in an instant over just how smug they are about it all. You know? Oh, no. They were smug. They act like they invented Earth. They act like it's their thing. When, in fact, we invented Earth, and they just piggybacked on our successes and failures. Bunch of smug little piggies. That's right. I tell you, every bar and pub I went into wearing my Earth number one is number one t-shirt, I got looks like I was some kind of pariah or like a Yankees fan, you know? Well, why'd you wear that shirt, big Hal? Come on. You're just poking them. Why would you do that? Look, I'm not changing who I am just because I'm there. I'm proud of Earth number one, even as bad as it sucks sometimes. Can I suggest a little uh, something for you to do next time you go to Earth 2? Okay, sure. All you got to do is switch up that shirt, make it a little more sly and a little more funny. So all you do is you make it say Earth, comma, T-O-O, Earth 2. Earth 2. That's funny. And I'm saying that I live on Earth 2. Right. You may live on Earth 2, but I live on Earth 2. Yeah. I think that's tight. And do you think that's better than Earth number one is number one? I think so, yeah. That's a dumb shirt. I think this shirt's better. It's just funnier. Mr. Possum has another planet he'd like to tell us about. Well, when I landed upon planet Greece, I thought, here's a place I won't complain about. Unlikely. Yeah. Well, I was expecting just to be in a, a wonderland of tasty crud. You know, but it, it, was, it was not good. As soon as I stepped out of the ship, it was just covered in the slickest crease you could imagine. I'm talking about... You never stop moving. It's exhausting. There's nothing to grab onto. There's no traction on planet Greece. It's very slick. I should have known. If only there had been some warning about how slick it is on planet Greece. Yeah. Well, I just thought maybe, you know, it'd be like the planet Greece that's right here on Earth. You know, that restaurant I like. Yeah. But it wasn't like that. You know, it it was too literal. It was just all Greece. Planet Greece on Earth is very tight. You got nonstop doo-wop. You got greasies. You got greasy food. But this place was unmanageably slicky. I felt like I was doomed to slip forever. Like, it was just one of them funny videos with the guy slipping on ice. But just forever. Yeah. You know? I, I, I would slip for so long that America's funniest people guy would run out of jokes. That's how long I felt like I was going to slip. And, uh, and then what happened? And then I I finally just, I slipped around the entirety of the whole planet. I wound up in my ship again. I just kind of orbited the whole planet. You slipped a, a complete circumference around the planet. Oh, yeah. You circumnavigated the whole planet while slipping. Yep, I saw it all. Is there like a plaque there now for you as the explorer that like, circumnavigated the entire globe. Is there some tribute to you down there now? There deserves to be. 
I mean, I think that if somebody terraforms it and gets some traction going, people will one day bring their little space children to look at the, the divot that I left with my t- my tumbling feet all around the, the, the whole globe. Did you tell anybody your name, or are they just going to have to guess? Well, they probably think my name is Slippy, because I was like, it's too slippy when I was slipping by him. I mean, so I didn't really say, I'm, I'm possum, it's very slippy. Right. So they would probably just put a plaque up that says, it's slippy. Right. Or like Slipstifer Columbus or something. Slipstifer Columbus. Toot toot. Toot toot. Boy, it's time to talk about our last bit of space adventure. What a ride this has been. What a great adventure. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the last planet you went to. We've reached the final frontier. Oh, we have. Of our segments tonight on the show. And what better place to talk about my favorite planet, my favorite experience traveling throughout the galaxy. Ooh, do tell. The last place I will talk about an unforgiving and treacherous volcanic desert planet out in the recesses of the Gamma Quadrant called Buttpox 9. Buttpox 9? Now, that sounds bad, right? That sounds like a bad place. Yeah. And it's supposed to sound bad because that way the regular tourists, all the normies, they stay away. And the Riceronian Empire assumes there's nothing worth regulating on, uh, on Buttpox 9, you know. But on the north side of the planet, Tucked behind a towering volcanic ridge that it's almost impossible to land a spaceship through, there's a little town called Dirt Hole. Dirt Hole. And there's a cantina in this town called the Dirt Hole Cantina. And let me tell you, I have been all around this galaxy. I've been in a million cantinas. And this is by far the one in which I am the coolest guy there. I am the Han Solo of the Dirt Hole Cantina. And it rocks. All right. I walk in. Everybody turns and looks with their one big eye or the two eyes on the side of their head. I flick a space coin at the house band and they start playing my song on the little hollowed out bones they play their music on. Mm-hmm. I'll get myself a little cup of uh, Buranian mud. Buranian mud? Is that like a like a specialty cocktail or something? No, it's actually just mud. Oh. They, they just drink mud. Oh, just uh, mud. At this, at this place. Okay. Yeah, I grab myself a cup of Buranian mud and I hit the craps table and I play until I run out of money. Heck, if I didn't know better, I'd say I'm propping up their whole economy every time I show up. And that's fine. That's fine if that's true. They're cool people. They love me. So... Uh, you know, nothing wrong with paying people to be your friends and you know, paying for mud. I, I think when it comes down to it, when it comes right down to it, that's just good business for them, and it's good times for you. I mean, I sh- shoot. They, obviously, they think I'm cool as well as you know, appreciating the money that I inject into their economy. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they think you're cool. I mean, of course. Obviously, I'm like the coolest guy they've ever seen, I think. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to go testing that theory by not paying them for the mud. But, I mean, I think you're right. I think you're essentially right. I wouldn't want to test it. I think. I mean, I think it's very smart because you're always going to have friends if you got money. And if you're paying them to be your friends, then they're just they're just reliable friends. They got to be there. They're at their job. I mean, it's smart. It's good. Yeah, their job is serving me at this place. But they also, I just want to, I just want to make it clear, they also think that I am very cool. Yeah, I'm sure every time they strike up their little sad version of Boz Skaggs' lowdown on their little bone instruments, I'm sure they're thinking, this guy rocks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Possum, what's the last place you want to talk about? Oh, no big deal. It was just like a big savory planet with, like, gravy lakes and biscuit lambs that you could ride around on, fluffy biscuit lambs that were real docile, and it was peaceful, and then there was like a sweet moon that was made of pie. Wow. No big deal. So that that sounds amazing. That sounds incredible. I mean, it's a, it's a good place to visit, but I didn't... The, it, what really kind of ruined it for me was the attitude of the people who lived on that planet, because they were just all doom and gloom. They were like, I'm sick of savory stuff. I want sweet stuff. I wish that moon would crash into us so I could have some of that pie. They were just a drag. Yeah. So I chugged the gravy and I got the heck off that planet. Did you take a bite out of that moon on your way out? Oh, yeah. Basically, what I learned from my space travels, Big Howl, is that if you were to write a a Goldilocks and the Three Bears story about me, and I'm Goldilocks, that book would never end. And it would be like, oh, my God, it's like War and Peace, and he's just griping about porridge for like a thousand pages. And then the next thousand pages is griping about beds. The bears would come home. And you would still be complaining about that first bowl of porridge. And they're, yeah, and they're like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I don't make porridge all the time. I'm a bear, you know. I'm like, well, that's not good enough. Listen to yourself. Oh, space travel. The Big Howl and Possum Podcast. Toot, toot.